Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. We're here. We're here in the studio. Josh Trent. What's up? What's up? I'm so glad to see What's you again. What's up, my friend? Oh, my gosh. We, we got some history together. Oh, my gosh. We do. We got stories, okay? <laughs> so I'm we in. Got stories. We're in Manhattan Beach. Josh lives in Encinitas. Drove yep. up. We're going to do some podcasting out here. I've been on Josh's podcast twice now. And yeah, I've been and waiting. you were actually like episode 12. Yeah, early like you on. You supported me sweating in a car in front of a coffee shop. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I didn't even have any guests yet. You were like, I'll do it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So Josh is, tell us about your podcast. What's your podcast called real quick? All right, so this is Wellness Force Radio. We talk about physical and emotional intelligence. And yep. by the way, intelligence does not mean that you're smart. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so Wellness Force, <laughs> we explore physical and emotional intelligence. Yep. That's what the show's about. Yeah, so this is... Uh, we're at Jill's house, actually. Jill is not here. She's on a road trip with her man. Um, but it's this is fun because Josh and I go way, way back to like 2005. 2005. Jo- uh, North Josh, Las Vegas. North yep. Las Vegas. We were personal <clears throat> trainers at 24 Hour Fitness. My first training job. Was it your first training yeah, job? That was my first clients I ever trained was at North Craig Road. I love it. So we were personal trainers back then. And then we kind of split apart. I don't know. Like we lost touch for years. Yeah. And then... We ended up meeting back again at MySpace. 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 You guys remember MySpace? Oh, I think yeah. we messaged each other on MySpace. Oh, I'm like, my how gosh. you doing? What's up? Because I know you as Danielle, yeah. right? Like yep. most people know you as Danny J. Yep. And I think we commented on each other's backgrounds or something. Remember, we could change <laughs> we could change the backgrounds of our MySpace pages. Oh, that was that was that. how we reconnected. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. MySpace, and then we ended up seeing each other at an event, Lewis Howes Michael Port event. That's right. And that was like 2015 or 2014. I want to say we were say. both in different relationships. Yep. Then. Both in different relationships. I was married. And over the last few years, just kind of stayed in touch, kind of both went down the uh, online journey and yeah. podcasting journey. Yep. And yeah, so Josh said I was uh, sweating in the car. He had he had me on his podcast early on and I was living in Utah at my grandma's and the service was terrible. So there was a Starbucks 30 miles away. So I just jumped in the car and I was trying to record at Starbucks. The Starbucks is loud. Yeah. So I parked as close to the building as I could. And then I put the computer like on the dashboard to try to reach the Wi-Fi. And I remember Josh saying, hey, like I can hear your air conditioning. <laughs> it sounds bad. You got to turn it off. And it was, yeah. you know, I don't know, su- summertime yes. and it, in, su- in Southern Utah, it's like a hundred degrees out. So I'm literally doing this whole podcast just like in a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> or you told me you're like I'm sorry I'm sweating buckets right now <laughs> but that's dedication I yeah, mean yeah. and this is why like in our lives we just get things done and it's not always going to be sexy and pretty and yeah, cute yeah that's, that's real life shit totally it's best life shit it's the best hey it's the best sometimes life. the best life is kind of like not sexy but it's still the best oh my gosh that's exactly we, we that's just exactly shit what done. it is yeah so Josh for people who don't know you and your story can you give us a little background on like from 24-hour fitness, how'd you get to be a trainer or even your journey to being a trainer to where you are and like what you're doing now? Well, you know, um, a lot of us, we grow up in situations that are challenging. And it's funny, like I I almost feel like everyone has a rough childhood, no matter how many degrees.
degrees of roughness it is. Sure. And so I was born in a situation where my mom was manic bipolar. So my dad left home super young. I was two months old. Wow. I was born premature, by the way. I was almost five pounds when I was born. So I was wow. four pounds, 11 and a half ounces. Spent the first two weeks in like an incubator, which is there's a bunch of science about people that have A-type personalities that go two weeks without a lot of touch. Interesting. So that's like my, I came into this world. I chose to come into this world in a challenging threshold. Mm -hmm. And I think looking back on that, that's actually what drove me to help other people because I was looking to help myself. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people get into training or coaching or fitness or just anything in general is because we're all healing ourselves as we shine light on other people. But I had this drug (laughs) and the drug was called food. Okay. Mm -hmm. People don't talk about this drug enough. Like food is the most overused drug in the world, more than alcohol, more than cigarettes, more than anything else. And I didn't know how to feel my emotions when I'm a little kid, like little kids don't have emotional intelligence. I didn't know how to process emotion. So my mom's in a room crying or my dad's gone. and I don't know what to feel. I would just go to a burrito or go to chocolate or go to cake or cereal. No surprise, flash forward now, I'm like 21 years old. I'm 280 pounds. I'm in a relationship I hate. I'm in a job I hate. I was a Mercedes-Benz technician. So I was ripe for like the, the sledgehammer hit from the universe. And I was drinking at a party. You know those red beer pong cups yep. where you play beer pong? <laughs> I was cup. drinking and I felt how big my stomach was and I felt how uncomfortable and how much, honestly, like I just hated myself. Yeah. I didn't love myself at all when I was 21, 22. Yeah. And so I slammed the party cup down, ran home drunk three miles from a party, <laughs> and I typed in the computer, like, how do I be healthy? And then the next 18 months was, like, gaining weight, losing 100 pounds, yeah. gaining 40 pounds back, like, just back and forth. And a lot of people struggle with this when they don't come from weight loss from a place of self-love, when they come from weight loss from a place of white knuckling and fear. Yeah. And that's where I was coming from. And so I got to this space where I got so frustrated, like my mom's illness, my dad not being around, not knowing what was going on with my health. I fucking left. I sold everything I owned. I sold my truck. I sold everything. And I moved to Hawaii. And in Hawaii, that's where I really went deep. Like I spent a lot of time by myself, six months in the island of Oahu, got certified by NASM. I was working out at a gym there and the fitness manager was like, hey, you've, you've gotten really good results. Like, have you ever thought about being a trainer? And I was like, what's a trainer? I didn't yeah. even know what training was. Yeah. And then when I moved to Vegas, I just felt the call. My friend Nick Fazio lived out there. Do you that was your Nick? roommate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he lived out there, and I didn't want to go home without, like, I felt like I needed to accomplish something. Uh-huh. Like, there was still more to learn about Josh Trent. Yeah. So I went to Vegas, and, and then you and I trained at that gym together, and yep. that was really where I cut my teeth, like, understanding what happens in a real session with somebody. Yeah. And I did that for 10 years, and at the end of 10 years, I was like, I don't want to train anymore. I'm tired of counting reps. I'm tired of holding people's hands. Like I'm just burnt the fuck out. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I left, I went to corporate America, committed spiritual suicide, wound up getting fired one day, which was a beautiful gift because I had this little part of my heart that I really wanted Mm -hmm. to let wellness force be a real thing. Uh It was a dream, but I put it in a little box on the side of my life. And I was like, Oh, I'll get to it one day one day when it feels good. And when I got fired, I was so scared, but I also had this beautiful feeling of freedom in my soul. Yeah. And then my back was pushed against the wall. I went to a sound healing therapy where they put the crystal bowls on your chakras Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I started crying. I didn't know why I was crying, but I realized that this path of doing podcasting and wellness force was going to be my ride or die like I was either going to do it or die because I knew what it felt like to commit spiritual suicide and I was like cool I'll do anything else than ever go back to that again I just got chills I think so many people do that like the committing spiritual suicide is such a vivid uh, picture (sighs) 
And that's like to go into corporate America or something. Not saying that corporate America is spiritual suicide, but when you have something in your heart and your soul that you want to be doing, that you're being pulled to, and yet you're just pushing it away like it doesn't exist. That's just, it's like killing a part of you that's trying to come out. What what did you do? What corporate job did you do? Okay, so I worked for for Active.com, Active Network. I was selling like software to uh, like athletic, like sports industry. Do you think you subconsciously were trying to get fired? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I worked for the city actually after training 24 hour fitness. I got a I job remember in the city. That. Yeah. Yes. Cause I got the job because I needed insurance and benefits. And so right. I thought, yeah. you know, it's the right, it's the grown up thing to do. It's the responsible thing to do. It is. And I remember so vividly how no, I remember people saying like, you can't get fired in the city. Like you can't, nobody would get fired. I mean, I saw people doing the craziest things coming to work drunk. Oh, just like stealing. I mean like stealing, not even going to work, like shopping during the, <laughs> yeah. off the hours. And my shift started at noon and I remember leaving my house at noon kind of like in this subconscious like I I'm like almost trying to get fired by showing up late not doing all my work and I still couldn't and then I started getting panic attacks and I was getting panic attacks like leaving at noon and then I'd even push it back like my shift started I would leave 10 minutes leave the house 10 minutes after I was already supposed to be clocked in and it just turned into this thing where I was like I can't do it anymore and I didn't get fired but because <laughs> uh, I don't think you could, but I think I was subconsciously trying to see if somehow I could let myself off the hook that way. So I was well, wondering. The, the truth is in all of us, the truth is always fucking trying to bubble up mm-hmm. yet. All of our fears mash it down, but sometimes a bubble pops through. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the bubble is like where people self-sabotage because yeah. they know subconsciously it's not right for them yeah. or they get, try to get fired. I mean, really yeah. we're either like going with our truth or we're going against it yeah. all the fucking time. Yeah. I want to take, do you know, cause you just mentioned self-sabotage and I don't know where this conversation was going to go today, but I actually ha- want to have this, con- go somewhere cool. I want to have this conversation about self-sabotage when something is going well, mm. because, and I want to know if you go through this, but I've done the self-sabotage like that, like with the, with the work and I wanted to get fired somehow, even though I couldn't. But I've also noticed like you and I have talked about, I'm in a new relationship and you're in a new relationship. Yeah. But early on with Jeff, I was starting to have these ideas of like, maybe I'll just like have a one night stand and like sabotage. I mean, we're like a month in, we're not even really exclusive yet, but I'm like, I'm having these fears. Like maybe this could be so good that I want to sabotage something good. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have a I wanted to ask you about that because you just mentioned it. And I'm like, there's something around self-sabotage that we do when things are going well. And why the fuck is that? Do you do that? Think about what self-sabotage truly is. It's someone who is blocking what the universe, spirit, God, higher intelligence, life itself is trying to give you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So people talk about law of attraction, law of vibration. Essentially, whatever we're putting out there, it will scientifically and spiritually come back to yeah, us. Okay. So if we throw out love, love's going to come back. Yep. If we throw out love and catch it mm-hmm. and we don't feel like we're worthy enough to get the boomerang back, mm-hmm. well, then we're going to have like different degrees of self-sabotage. So yes. I think yeah. what you're talking about is very valid for so many of us. And I even, even with Carrie Michelle, this beautiful new relationship I'm in, there's a part of me, like an old ass program. Okay. Think Mm -hmm. of a computer with like 20 chips. I've pulled out a lot of those chips, reprogrammed them and stuck them back in, especially over the past three years with plant medicine and breath. So now I'm at this place where just because a a thought comes up or a feeling comes up of, is this really going to work out? Mm -hmm. How do I know this person's not cheating? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like, is this real? Am I, am I good enough for this? Are they going to 
be good enough for me? Yep. Is it going to change? I mean, the monkey mind can swirl us into a fucking cave of oblivion. Yep. So, so I think what you're saying is valid because not all of our thoughts and not all of our feelings are real. Yeah. We're in a fucking holographic simulation here where we're all figuring out actually what the hell's going on at all times, which is why some people that think they have it all figured out are the ones that really jump off the cliff one day. Mm -hmm. We don't ever have it figured out. No. And no. it's the acceptance of the mystery of life. We're yeah. in this mysterious kind of meat suit with a spirit inside of it on a rock in yeah. the middle of outer space. Yep. So long answer to your question is, yeah, self-sabotage is real, but only if we indulge it. Mm -hmm. So so whether you believe in Dispenza or Lipton mm -hmm. or just anyone at all that says choose your, choose your thoughts, choose yeah. your vibration. Yep. If I am aware of the self-sabotage, one that came up for me recently, I was driving home from Sedona. And I was like, wait, she lives in a different city. Like, is this going to work out? Sure. Who's going to move where? And I went down this spiral. Yeah. And then I was like, I took a deep ass breath. Yep. I breathed it out. And I was like, you don't know, man. That's the whole thing. Right. Is you're not supposed to know. Yeah. This is why it's so special when things do work out. Yeah. Because we're not getting in the way. Yep. And I think really what self-sabotage is, is it's a mechanism of white knuckle control where, where men and women try to control Ooh. something. Yep. And if you want to go even deeper, yep. this is what I think. I think the ego for some of us is so strong and it's so calcified and embedded from childhood that when we didn't protect ourselves in childhood and we did get hurt, yep. it was ammunition for our ego to always play safe. Yes. And I think that's really what's going on with self-sabotage as yep. adults yep. is to the degree that we've done our inner processing, yep. you know, our deep dives into ceremony, our deep yep. dives into anything we want to flush out that childhood pain, we're going to show up as badass adults that don't self-sabotage. Yeah. Love that. I like the, that you said it's about control. I never thought of it, but as if I think back to that instance, even going, why would I self-sabotage something good? Because I want to be back in control of the situation. If I know that I ruined it, then it's like, I'm in control of it again, because yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Like if I do it, then it keeps him from doing something to me or maybe like diet exercise. You know, you talked about food being a drug yeah. when people self-sabotage their diets and those kind of things. It's because that fear of like, what if I don't lose the weight after trying all of this stuff? Or what if I don't have the success or the admiration of people that I think I will once I lose the weight? Well, if I just go back, then I know, like you, you know, you already know the uncomfortable place that you've been. So it's comfortable to stay yeah. there. So it's also <laughs> selfishness because what you're talking about is I'm going to predict what will happen so that now I can stay safe, even though nothing has actually happened. Yes. Yet. Yeah. It's yeah. such a mind fuck. It is. And it really allows people to not grow and expand. Yeah. Because in growth and expansion, look, pain is inevitable. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah. We're going to have loss. We're going to have pain. We're going to have breakup. It's yeah. going to fucking happen. Yeah. But like this is the modern day wellness warrior archetype is that we love anyways. Yeah. We just love anyways. Yep. That's the whole point of this thing. Yep. Is to, even in the face of pain or even in getting hurt, we, we breathe and we lean into it. I'll never forget this. Um, Will Smith, uh, his daughter, Jada. What, it's Jada, right? His daughter? Jada's his wife. Or, or uh, Willow. Willow. She was getting like accosted on social media. Yeah. And he said, from now on, sweetheart, I want you to lean into the pain. Mm. I want you to lean into the pain because when you lean into the pain, they don't hold power on you anymore. I like that. And I thought, oh, this is exactly what you and I are talking about. Yeah. It's like, can we love anyways? Can we lean into the pain? I love that you said the love anyways, because I recently went through something with Jeff that was, it was scary. I think it could have taken, it could have made us just part ways. And... 
I was struggling and I said I need to take a few days like a few days off few days of and I found this quote that I saw in a bathroom stall in Nashville about a year and a half ago and it says have the courage to trust love one more time and I in that I remembered the quote in that moment I put it in a background on my phone and I was like okay I just need to have the courage to trust love one more time yeah. and again and again and let me be a, like the courage every single day to trust love one more time. But I have been holding on to that because I think it can be so scary to open up again and yeah. to just try. And it is about courage as well. Um, so when I interviewed with Paul Check, he said that if someone has courage in life for bravery, they also have to have spiritual courage mm. and spiritual courage means that you've cultivated the space for it. Yeah. Like you don't know what's going to happen. There's no guarantee of relationship or love working out. Yep. You may get hurt, but you have the courage that you've cultivated yep. to, to do it anyways, to love anyways. And this is like the warrior's path. And by the way, a warrior okay. is a man or a woman. Yeah. It's not just a man. We're all like leading our life either from the heart space, letting ourselves take the blows and do it anyways, or we're hiding with a big ass heart wall and not loving, not connecting, yep. and, and then telling our, our guy friends that women suck or women going to brunch and getting wasted on a Sunday talking about how shitty men are. Yep. Yep. So true. So <laughs> as we do. No. Right here, here in LA, that's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, that's what brunch is all for. <laughs> so funny, Jill and I would go on these brunches every week and really our brunch wasn't about man bashing, but it was like downloading the dates of the week. We were like, tell the stories. And it was just the ridiculousness, like the recap of what happened during the week. And it is funny. Like when we have pain happen over and over, we start to like create stories about other people. We start to create stories about ourselves and it just we can we use that as protection I yeah. put quotes as protection because yep. we don't want to get hurt again but you're so right like there's no there's no way around being hurt and getting hurt do you ever feel like we attract the exact perfect person to bring up our triggers oh and flush out our bullshit do you ever get that feeling like <laughs> yes. you attracted Jeff for a certain reason I attracted Carrie Michelle for yeah. a certain reason yep. so we have an attraction to them yeah. but we also attracted them to us because yes. I think our souls have a contract mm -hmm. and I don't know how woo woo you get on best life do, can we go super Wait, woo go for it All go right. for it <laughs> this is what I, this is this what is I, you so <laughs> good this is what I believe like I believe that we did choose our situation as crazy as that mm -hmm. fucking sounds mm -hmm. because when I think about that it allows me to be a, an actual participant yeah. in my life and then life isn't just happening to me yeah. so when I have the mindset that I chose my life the way that I did so that I could grow and learn and evolve and serve that's a totally different conversation that's a totally yeah. different feeling so in that same regard if I'm learning about myself and I'm aware of my triggers I'm aware of my bullshit I'm yeah. aware of my stories don't you think that I'm going to be smart enough to attract in the type of man or woman, whatever relationship you're in, to heal those parts of myself? Like this is the whole purpose of relationship. Yep. Like our buddy Stephanos describes conscious relationship as the most powerful conduit for personal growth yep. in a lifetime. Yep. All these people that do polyamory and all these different relationships, I'm not knocking that. That's just not for me. Yep. I think the biggest triggers will come up in a conscious coupling because yep. they're going to see you at your ugliest. They're going to see you at your moodiest. Yep. They're going to understand what it's like to be with you when you leave the fridge door open or, or yep. whatever it is. It's so true. I just finished reading Mark Manson's Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is an old book, and I should have read it a long really time good, ago. Though. But the last two chapters really are speaking to what you said. And he, he was talking about his life 
of how he traveled to 55 countries and he dated and slept with multiple women. And he's like, you know, if I, if I can go to all these places and I can tell these people, why don't I? And I've been in that place for the last two years. I've been like traveling all over, dating lots of people, never going deep with anyone. Mm. And at some point there's a lot of width, but there's not depth and choosing to stay in one place, choosing one person, there are so many things that have come up with me just in the last few months by choosing one person and going down that route that would never come up with multiple. You can stay surface level with lots of people. You stay surface level when you're moving around. But I really um, agree with you on yeah. that. When you go down the path with that one person, there are things that you cannot, that won't come up and that won't be triggered when oh, you're staying like so surface Like our whole society is built on going a mile wide yeah. and a foot deep. Yeah. What you and I are talking about yeah. is going a foot wide and a yeah. mile deep. Yep. And and our world is not built on it. Look yep. at where we are in Manhattan Beach. Like yep. every five minutes is a bar, yep. right? So this entire construct of, of civilization is built to like fucking distract people yep. all the time. Yeah. So to be in a conscious relationship, to go deep like you're going, you better believe it's going to bring up all this shit that hasn't been seen in a while. It's like going down an old mine shaft and being like, oh, (laughs) that's still there? (laughs) I didn't even know that shit was there. (laughs) Oh, I just fell. Blew your hand off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, it's so, it's been really fascinating. And again, why it brings up the self-sabotage triggers. We're like, oh yeah, we went too far. We could turn around, retreat and go back now. Like, let's go back to the uh, path that we know. And it can be really easy to go that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like the path of least resistance anymore. Yeah, you know how some people say um, in personal development industry, they'll be like, "Well, just do what feels good." Mm-hmm. I think that's bullshit. Yeah, I think yes, we we go towards what our heart tells us to do, and we do do the things that feel good, but we also have the courage to face the shit that feels really fucked up. Yeah. Because if we don't do that, then we're never going to expand. And I think that's yeah. actually the whole point of why we're here. Yeah, is to like expand, grow, learn, and serve. That's basically all we get. So speaking of doing the hard shit, uh, Josh is the reason why Jill and I went to Rhythmia and did the ayahuasca. So not necessarily the reason, but you helped us get there. I supported your decision. (laughs) I supported your decision. So I was, I was going through my depression thing last year. I made a post and Josh reached out and he said, Hey, have you ever um, heard about ayahuasca or tried it? And I had gone to one ceremony before and I just, I think sometimes with ayahuasca, people need different dosages and and that kind of thing. So I didn't really get much out of that first time. So I was like, yeah, Yeah. I did, but I don't, you know, I don't think it was really for me. And he goes, Hey, listen, this place, you four days, you will definitely have an experience. So I trust Josh. And I was like, okay, let's look at, let's look into this. So we set it all up and Josh is a really big proponent on plant medicine. And it's, I tell people it is not something you do recreationally. Like you don't go into it for fun. And it's not Disneyland. No, no, it's not. Uh, and I remember thinking about it beforehand, before I had the full experience, I'm like, okay, this is maybe just a bunch of hippies and people just want to have this like cool trip and it's not a cool trip, but it does help you go really deep. And I want to know just a little bit more about how you've used plant medicine mm. and kind of finding yourself, finding your purpose, like what it's done for you and how you're continuing to use it and facilitate for others. My first plant medicine ceremony ceremony was 2014. Mm -hmm. And I went from my ex-girlfriend, we were going through a challenge at the time Mm -hmm. and we wanted to, to connect and heal. And so of course, like we were talking about earlier, it was, it wasn't that we wanted to heal each other. It's that we wanted to heal ourselves. And so that's what brought me to the medicine. And when I was there, I have to tell you, like, it was a horrific experience my first time. It fucking sucked. Mm. Like later we found out the shaman wasn't in in integrity, Mm. which is a danger for a lot of people to go Mm. to ceremonies. Mm. It's very, very, very important 
that you choose a, a space that's medically based, that's yep. that's grounded in truth, that has integrity, yeah. that has a track record of people you know. Like this is a powerful tool. Think about like a hammer. You could kill someone with a hammer. Sure. You could also build a beautiful home. Sure. Plant medicine is the same way. Mm. So just because it's a powerful tool doesn't mean it's wielded the same by others. So this is like very important thing to know. So that was my first experience. But I'll tell you what, that very first time I ever did ayahuasca, there was a moment in the bathroom because you shit. Yeah. <laughs> you shit and you throw up with ayahuasca, <laughs> as, as you know, right? So I was in the toilet and I felt these vines wrapping around my legs. And all of a sudden I had this like, I felt like washed in this beautiful, powerful feminine energy. It's like giving a hug to a grandma that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And it was like this support and I, I hadn't I had gone through a lot of life not really feeling supported yeah like I had a chip on my shoulder and I was like I'll show you world I'll show you dad I'll show you that I can be successful I don't sure. need anyone and it was the first time in my whole life like truly that I felt held yeah and it was only for a moment and it was just a glimpse and I do I waited an entire year I waited till 2015 to do ayahuasca again and when I did it the second time with a shaman named Brianna in Los Angeles that's when I really started to see all the stuff that was down my mind shaft, sure, you know, all that sure. shit that was in there. And there was a lot in there. And the majority of it was shame, anger, and bitterness. Mm. I, I was a very bitter, angry person, but I would cover it up by being funny. Yep. And so that led me to doing a ceremony or two for the next four years. When I found Rhythmia, they actually reached out to me. So mm. I called in the medicine without me even knowing I was calling it in. Interesting. 2018, January, they reached out to me. They said, we've heard your podcast. We want to have uh, our founder on your show. Yeah. And I was like, cool. This is, seems really exciting. Go yeah. down to Costa Rica. I've never been to Costa Rica. Yeah. Get to Costa Rica. Went on the fucking craziest roller coaster ride you could ever imagine. <laughs> Spent the first three days resisting, being like, yep. "Can I trust this place?" Yep. Met a guy named Jamal in ceremony. He said, "I got to introduce you to the co-founder's wife." And I was like, "Cool, sure, go for it." Mm -hmm. Like, I think you could really help them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "What am I going to do for them?" Sure. Next thing I know, I'm on a phone call with her, sharing with her all this healing that I had around my mother, like massive healing wow. around my mom. Wow. There was a moment where I was in ceremony and my mom was holding me as a baby, mm -hmm. and I was looking at my mom through my baby's eyes, yeah. seeing the tears on her face, feeling her pain from not having my father around, dealing yeah. with her illness. And I was just like, I just cried for like 10 minutes Damn. probably. Like, oh yeah. dude, you've been so angry at this woman, yeah. so resentful, let alone you never understood what it was like to be her. Wow. And this is what Brene Brown talks about with yeah. like, are people doing the best they can? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes people don't fulfill what we need. Sometimes people doing the best they can isn't enough, yep. but it's always the best they can. Yep. And that was like a massive come to Jesus moment for me yeah. where I thought, whoa, like I, I mean, I can even feel it right now, you yeah. know, just sitting with you, the ways that I and all of us judge and hold resentment and bitterness towards people, it just fucking eats us alive. It literally is like a piranha for our nervous system. So when I had that breakthrough, I explained that to the co-founder's wife and I said, I'd love to introduce you to a couple of my friends. Next thing I knew, I lost my consulting gig with PowerPlate. I was still in the fitness industry doing some consulting. Mm -hmm. And I, I presented them. I said, why don't I help you bring people to this medicine that are, A, doing amazing work themselves, yep. and B, can share it with their communities. Yeah. And that led to me partnering Wellness Force and Rhythmia partnered because I believe that this is 
probably going to be one of the most powerful tools in our lifetime for yeah. people to heal. Yeah. Talk therapy doesn't really work. Let's just be honest. Yeah. It's helpful, but it doesn't get the deep down roots yeah. pulled. Yeah. Um, breath work is powerful, which I love. And float tanks are powerful and, you know, conscious dance and connection. All the, all these things are tools, but plant medicine for me will always be like a once maybe twice but most likely once a year mm -hmm. spiritual pressure wash sure because we live in a very toxic world like yep. you can come out of ceremony and feel like you have a, the knowledge and the intelligence of what to do and then all of a sudden you know stress comes normal programming from 100%. the world comes and it knocks people out of that vibration 100%. so how do we maintain spiritual health yeah physical and emotional health it's by going back to this medicine and to be honest most of the times when we drink this medicine it's going to be really bitter yeah. before it's sweet yeah and the sweet is actually what we bring back to this world to yeah. the 3d world the bitter is the part that's the challenge but you know what like just like you and i talked about with relationships if we don't face the dark parts how the hell are we ever going to be able to shine light yeah how are we going to have the space yeah. to do it it's so funny we're so often afraid of those dark parts and sometimes they're something that's not scary like this story of your mom looking at you as a baby it's like I think sometimes we're afraid of what we might see and then you see that and you just feel complete compassion and just yeah. something that you were like, wow, that was what I was afraid of. And that's actually something that A, I needed and B, feels so like healing and not scary. Yeah. That's really crazy that you had that. I Because I had a very similar thing. It was actually, I was maybe about a week after Rhythmia. I've had a lot of issues with my mom as well and I, I was going to bed. And I, I had this moment of realization of I've had lots of resentment and anger towards her for years. And I was pregnant at 15 and she was just nasty to me. I felt like she hated me. There was just a lot of like fighting during that time. And I realized that I was the same age today, like at that moment that she was when I was 15. And I was actually at her house. I was staying at her house. This was just a couple months ago. And I'm in the bed, like about to go to sleep. And I just was like, I had this moment of I'm 37. I'm sleeping at my mom's house. And yet she was 37 taking care of a teenager. And I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting here going, she had two teenage children at my age. She had a home. She had a husband who had a gambling addiction. She just had all of this pressure and stuff on her. Like, of course she was a bitch to me. And I'm th sitting here thinking, I'm 37. I have no kids, no responsibility. And I'm sleeping at my mom's house right now. And I'm going, wow, this is, it just gave me this massive shift and like compassion for her going, she had a lot on her fucking shoulders mm -hmm. and she had a lot to go through. And and I'm thinking if I had a 15-year-old daughter right now who was pregnant, I'd be pretty fucking pissed too. I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> right now? And I've got all of these other things. And so yeah. I just had this really um, – and it took – I mean, it's taken me that long to just really look at her in a different light and go and see her even for who she is today and the things that she's gone through. It's so different. You know, I sometimes I would judge her on her decisions, and I'm going, if I walked in her shoes and saw what she saw – and you're right. Like people are doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And just you saying that about your mom makes me, like you said, you were, you were a preemie, like, mm -hmm. fuck, how hard is that? You know, the dad's gone, got a little baby and totally. going like dealing shit. with a mental yeah. uh, health issue. Yeah. And, and you know, what made it the most real ever. And, and this is where it gets really crazy. I had forgotten that on her dresser, mm -hmm. I had taken a knife one day when I was super young uh -huh. and I had carved love one another mm. in the dresser. Yeah. 
and and but what the craziest part is through my baby's eyes i saw the future in this scene that ayahuasca created for me of me carving love one another in the dresser that's when i knew shit was real dang because i thought just chills. okay that's a that's something i completely forgot about but yeah. i know it's real yeah and ayahuasca showed me that yeah wow yeah so quite possibly we could be here in a simulation we don't exactly know what's going on and that's the whole mystery i mean i gotta yeah. tell you like all the things that we're going through, there is absolutely no 100% uh, explanation as to why things occur. Yeah. We just don't fucking know, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And the whole part of us that wants to not get hurt in a relationship and control it from the ego, or the whole part of us that wants to know exactly what's going on here on planet Earth, we don't get to know. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is like, just enjoy it, man. Yeah. Just yeah. enjoy it because you'll never know. Yeah. We don't know. And I think these tools, you know... Um, Medicine is one of them. Breathwork is another. I'm actually, when we're done here, I'm going to go to a breathwork uh, session, yeah. which is really, breathwork can induce the same um, physiological states and DMT release in the lungs like ayahuasca does. Uh -huh. And this is really powerful. I, I'm, I'm honestly honored and like, I feel like our friendship has deepened and I just respect what you have done and like the work you've done and how you shared it with your community. Like it means a lot to me because man, if we're not healing, we're dying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I and I want you to live for as long as you can. Yeah. And I want to live for as long as I can. Yep. The only way we're going to live long, rich lives is if we puke out or shit out the things that aren't serving us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get those uh, spiritual laxatives going. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes we need a cleaning. Yo. It's like a detox, oh but on gosh. a much deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. So, OK, something that's not so deep. We were kind of talking about. Josh comes in and he's, you know, you guys, if you've seen my Instagram, I posted a naked bike picture like a week ago yes. and he goes, so what was up with you guys, your naked bike ride? So jo Jeff and I showed up to Portland and literally just no plans for the whole, the whole time. We're just like, yeah, we'll see what's going on. And Jeff loves wings. So we saw this wing week sign. So I Googled it and I found this site with all these activities in Portland and on the activities under wing week was world nude bike ride day. So long story short, it kind of turned into like <laughs> this joke where we were like, I'm doing it. Are you doing it? And I think I was pushing him because I was like, you know, he won't. And then he was pushing me thinking I won't. And suddenly here we are naked in Portland. And <laughs> this is something I would never like. I am very uh, like I didn't grow up in a household where nudity was okay. Like my mom would even ask me to like I was a gymnast who would ask me to put on clothes in front of my dad. Like I couldn't wear my leotard around the house. Wow. So it was like very, very modest and like, oh God. no, like we are not, we're not nudists. Very, very extreme modest. Uh -huh. So for me, even today, like I don't like to walk around naked. We did the thing. We took our clothes off. And one of the things I said to Josh was, I was like, after a few minutes, you kind of just forget. It was like normal. And so you sure. you had an experience. You said you had a whole new day. And I kind of wanted to ask it. So yes. tell that story first. And then I have a question for you. All right. So in Sedona, for those of you that don't know, it's kind of a hippie place. Yeah. There's a lot of hippies yeah. in Sedona. And it's very normal that people walk around naked. So I'm in this beautiful seven-day experience with Carrie Michelle and we're laying at this hidden spot between these two beautiful streams. We're on a rock in the middle of them yep. and the sun is shining through and we actually did a ceremony where we set some intentions and we did a very small micro dose of psilocybin, not like a big trippy yeah. dose, just enough to expand the nervous system and open and be present. And so we're sitting there and I'm, I'm feeling the medicine. I'm, I'm laying with her. I'm seeing the sun pour through the trees and I see the little peach fuzz on the small of her back and mm -hmm. I'm like touching her back and I'm seeing the sun come through and I'm taking deep breaths between two streams laying naked in the sun. Mm -hmm. And it was one of these beautiful life moments 
And I just, I make, I, like the hair on my arm is like standing up just telling you because it's so beautiful sometimes to just recognize how special a moment can really be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think being uninhibited, being naked in nature yeah. is, is, a, is a tool. It's a powerful tool. Yeah. There was people walking around. I was saying yeah. hello with like my dick hanging yeah. out. You know, like, and that's the thing, like were you self-conscious w- at the beginning or – Cause this is something that's like, it, I took a little poll on like who would do this. And so many yeah. people have these fears around it. And I, I'm the person who would have been like, hell no, I will never be naked in front of people. So what was the like download afterwards or like the thing you got after, like after you did it? The thing after where, well, there was like five minutes where I was just kind of like, is this okay? Yeah. I kept thinking, is yeah. this okay? Yeah. Cause we've been taught like, don't be naked. Right. You know, don't express yourself. Who are you to show your naked body? Sure. I think all of this comes from fear and it was actually pretty fucking liberating yes. to just be naked yes. and like say hello to people who are naked too. Yeah. We're down the stream. There's some dude with his wife like smoking a peace pipe, totally naked. Yeah. His yeah. balls are hanging yeah. out. Like, and, and we're all just, we're just human beings, y'all. We're just humans. Like let's just get over ourselves. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think, I think being naked around strangers and even being naked with a partner yeah. is it, it brings people right to the truth. Yeah. You know, there's nowhere to hide when you're naked. I mean, you're physically naked, you know, and you know, if it's cold, my dick's going to get smaller. If it's warm and I'm in the sun, it's, I'm I'm feeling more, more confident. Right. Right. So for men, like our greatest fear is to be seen out of the pool. Like the dude from Seinfeld. I was in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the pool. (laughs) So, and and women have their own. So with men, there's this stigma that is really pushed by pornography. I think pornography for a lot of people Mm -hmm. is the reason that they don't choose to go naked yeah. because they're comparing themselves yeah. to these cupped, molded, injected, sprayed, um, everything people yep. that aren't really real. Yeah. And, and sexuality is so abused in our society. Yeah. So I think for me, the answer to your question, it was this liberation, liberation. feeling. And um, I'm sure that's kind of what it felt like you, with yeah. you on the bike, right? It was empowering. It's so funny because afterwards we, we got dressed and we got in the car and we're like, Okay, how was it? Because at first it was like we're laughing about it, we're joking because we're uncomfortable, so we're making fun of it, we're making yeah. fun of ourselves. And then after a while, we're like, you know, we're looking at people, and I know one of the things I told you earlier, Jeff was like, well, what if it's cold out? And I was like, it's totally. fine, like it's gonna be cold out for everyone, yeah. so don't worry. Like, yeah, the turtle head's gonna, gonna go back in the shell. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if it's cold for you, it's cold for all the guys. So, <laughs> and I think that's this fear of like size, and so we're looking around. I mean, these their bodies like old, young, fat, thin. I mean, all kinds of bodies, and you just start going you know, I, we're fine. Like I, I'm comparing myself and going, yeah, I'm doing all right. It's just a body. And it was, yeah. once we got in the car and put our clothes on, we're like, we both looked at each other. We're like that was kind of empowering. And it was kind of liberating. Like you, you started to not even feel naked. You just didn't notice. Like yeah. you're looking up is, and even like looking at people's bodies, like first you're kind of like, ha ha, look at, right. And then you're like, now I'm just looking at a bunch of dicks and it's like, it's normal. It's so interesting. And it was really, really one of those like, that felt oddly empowering as, and it was just a, yeah, it was an interesting piece. Well, this is why Burning Man's so popular. You haven't been yet, have no, you? No. Uh-uh. Neither have I. I was going to go this year, but I'm not going to go. I'm going to go next year. Uh, this is why people go to Burning Man mm. is because they want to feel this liberation. Yeah. They want to have a feeling of being liberated and think about what liberated means. Yeah. It means that in some way we were shackled. Yeah. So to be liberated is to remove a chain. Mm. And there's a shackling that I think goes on that goes on in our society where look at all these magazines like sex is so over glamorized sure, sure. in the most disingenuous way yep. where women are fucking hung like meat yep, yep. on ads everywhere. Yep. And then there's the other part of sexuality where it's beautiful and pure and activating yeah. yet 
so much of the focus is on yep. the bullshit. Yeah. And, and you even seen this on Instagram, like, yep. like ladies, like wearing no clothes, like showing their ass yeah. and, be, and then writing a poem yeah. underneath it. <laughs> right. Like in some way you writing right. a poem yeah. with your naked ass is going to make it more integrity. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in an interesting time. We are. Like, you could do a podcast literally just oh, on this subject gosh. alone. Yeah. Yeah. The other part of that was, you know, when you mentioned it, the sexualization was also before going out, Jeff was like, well, what if I, you know, what if I get hard? And I was like, yeah. you go out there and you're just like, none of this feels sexual. It does. It didn't feel sexual. It wasn't yeah. like everybody's going to have a big orgy right there. And maybe in some places there are, but sure. it was really just this empowering feeling of liberation of like taking the sexuality out of it and just being naked spiritually physically like you're physically naked but you're also just really open and vulnerable in all the ways that's the key word isn't it vulnerable yeah vulnerability like our friend uh drew manning has vulnerability is strength tattooed on his arm yep and i'm like that's fucking awesome because this is a a man who's like in the fitness industry and like that's not a very vulnerable conversation for the most part yeah and so i think like you and i and a lot of our friends were were part of this wave of people being aware of people being more conscious about what's real and what's not because we're all fed. I mean, look at even most trainers, they're sold this bill of goods. Like just get a certification. You'll be fine. No, No. you have to learn how to build a business, do marketing, get clients, manage everything. It's the same thing in, in, in relationships. And we're, we're kind of sold. I don't know if you feel this way. Tell me how you feel. Don't you feel like from little kids and even in our adolescence, we watch Disney movies and we and we get like this download of like, oh, the glass slipper and the prince and yep. the knight in shining armor. And I have to tell you, like, that shit is not real. Yeah. <laughs> What's real is that your knight in shining armor is probably driving a Hyundai. You are wearing Tom's shoes. Yep, There's yep. no glass slipper. Yeah. It's a totally different story, and it's the one that we create. It's yeah. the story that we write. And I think it's so easy for us to get intoxicated by marketing and media and the fucking Disney movies we watched as kids. Yeah. But that shit ain't real. It's no. fantasy. Dude, it's so fantasy. I love yeah. this conversation so much. Okay, one last question for you, because I know you got to get to your breathwork class. But yeah. the Best Life podcast, we just talk about the best life, and what does that mean? And I want to know, what does the best life mean to Josh Trent? What is your mm. best life? If I can describe a best life, it's a life where I can say no at any time to something that doesn't serve me. That's the most simplistic explanation of the best life. Yeah. If at any moment I can say no to anything that my soul knows doesn't serve it, that is the best life. So good. And, and you could extrapolate from there, but that's the undercurrent. Like job, relationship, health, friends, community. I design my life the way that my soul knows it's best for me. And and I even have heard Tony Robbins say that. Like, that's the true power of freedom. That's the true definition of freedom. And, when, and what do people want? Like, people that want the best life, they simply just want to live life free. They yeah. want to be free to be me. They want to be free to be themselves. Yeah. So I think that's the best life. Love it so much. Freedom, freedom, choice. Freedom. So where can people find you, Josh? Where's the best place to follow all your stuff and get to know you? Well, Wellness Force is the podcast, Wellness Force Radio, but then online you can just type in Wellness Force on Google. Um, 
we have a really powerful guide I'd love to offer it to your audience. Yeah. It's about breath work. So Absolutely. we have a seven-day guide where people can dive in. It's Dude. easy. I promise you guys yes. it's easy. It's six things. We've done 300 interviews. Yep. And we've distilled like, okay, what are the things that actually matter from yep. 300 people? Yep. Um, it's wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. Okay. And you can get it for free. It's it's my gift to the best life. Love it. You guys download that breath work thing. I'm going to do it. Shit. Yeah. Why did you tell I'll me? I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Oh, my gosh. You guys get that. Um Follow Josh on the Instagram, subscribe to his Wellness Force radio, do all the things. And we love you, Josh. Thank you so much. I love you too. This is really special. We'll have thank to do you it for again. Me on your There's show. more things. I know. We got some about. more things. To <laughs> all right. Thank you.